You cannot pass, he said. The orc stood still, and a dead silence fell. I am a servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Anor. You cannot pass. The dark fire will not avail, flame of Udun. Go back to the shadow. You cannot pass. The Balrog made no answer. The fire in it seemed to die, but the darkness grew. It stepped forward slowly on the bridge, and suddenly it drew itself up to a great height, and its wings were spread from wall to wall, but still Gandalf could be seen. Glimmering in the gloom, he seemed small, and altogether alone, gray and bent, like a wizened tree before the onset of a storm. Hey, 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 I'm Danny J. And I'm Joel N. I'm Trevor D. And we are... Keep, Keep on Tolkien! Hell yes, we are. And we're back today with episode 91. Now, this is part two of our Evil Creatures trilogy. And today, we have a very special subject. Hell yeah, we do. We're talking about bal freaking rogs, you guys. bal Freaking rogs. Heck the best yeah. kind of rog out there. Yeah, what's the best kind of rog? The, the battle rog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, let's. you want to get right into it? Yeah, let's, well, let's dive on it. Everyone's going to want to know. We yeah. should probably first define what is a balrog. Yeah, well, balrogs, they're lesser spirits of the Ainur that followed Melkor in his discord. We got a little excerpt about that from the Valaquenta, which is in the subsection on that is of the enemies. Read by Joel. Of the Maiar, many were drawn to Melkor's splendor in the days of his greatness, and remained in that allegiance down into his darkness. And others he corrupted afterwards to his service with lies and treacherous gifts. Dreadful among these spirits were the Valarokar, the scourges of fire that in Middle-earth were called Balrogs, demons of terror. Heck yeah. Demons of Terra. Friggin' love that. It's a pretty great way to describe a Balrog. Yeah. Especially if you are picturing what most people would from the movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, friggin' Demons, demons. of Terror. And they were considered Melkor's most uh, powerful servants. Oh, yeah. They're not only crazy good warriors, but they also have some pretty strong magic as well. Yeah, they are, and they are notoriously hard to defeat. <laughs> yeah, almost everyone who's ever stood against them in a single combat has been killed. Yeah, they can be killed, but you are often killed doing that. Yeah, you don't you don't go one on one with a Balrog. No, well, yeah, only only Gandalf, I think, can make that happen. Well, we'll we're gonna get all to Balrog slaying in this episode, friends. Ooh, so buckle up. More than okay. Let's get into some names and titles for Balrogs. There's not a whole lot of them, and they all kind of mean the same thing. But uh, it's fun. Yeah, they're all pretty cool. So we got, first off, we got Balrog. That's Sindarin for Demon of Might. Valorokar, which is Quenya for Demon of Might as well. You want to try this next one? This is one of the weirdest words I've I, ever seen. I was honestly going to wait to see if you would just do it because I'm way too intimidated by this word. Okay, all right, fine. I'll do it. Go, Trev. Okay, so it's uh, the Gwalarauko. Sure, you the, should spell, the, spell the, that for the, the kids the, at the, home. The uh, Yeah, I don't know if the G is silent, but it is N. G W A L A R A U K O. It's a <laughs> lot of vowels. <laughs> 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 
Rauco. Anyway, that's primitive Elvish, which I'm assuming is like a old enough version of Elvish where there were no dialects. It means demon of torment. And of course, they're just called demons. Yeah, well. a lot in the fall of Gondolin, they just refer to them as demons. The demons. Oh, the fall of Gondolin. We're going to touch on that in this episode. Oh, yeah, baby. But first, we must start at the beginning. And what is the beginning of Maya, are you guys? If there's one thing I want you to take away from this podcast, it is this. That Maiar start at the Anulindale. Always. That's where we start. Square one. We're not going to get too detailed into it, but here it is according to uh, Balrogs. Yeah, so like all of the Ainur, the Balrogs, these these Maiar, they were first beings created by Iluvatar. And Iluvatar first taught them to sing. Yeah, and this song he taught them was called the Anulindale, or the Song of the Ainur. The song contained all that would be Ea. The history, people, and events. Everything, dude. Everything. Basically, time. Mm-hmm. The song contained three different uh, musical themes, and Melkor began to create discord during the song, and uh, others joined in. The Balrogs were among these Maiar spirits that joined in, but presumably not all of these were Balrogs. Yeah, some were actually drawn to Melkor later on through, you know, slimy ways and stuff like that. So not everybody was on board right away. The discord introduced by Melkor manifested itself in history as evil. Yeah. So dis- the discord of Melkor equals evil. Exactly. Yeah, if if the song itself are the events of history, then the discord within that song are essentially the evil events within history. Yeah. So they are, uh, these are very much fallen Maiar, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, when the uh, Valar descended down into Ea to create the world called Arda, lesser spirits came with them. These were called Maiar. Yes. And we've talked about them a ton before. Even so far this episode. Yeah. Yes. They, they come up a lot, these guys. Uh, they are helper spirits that serve the Valar, right? We all remember. Here's a little quote from the Valaquenta in the Silmarillion to uh, refresh your memory from Trev. With the Valar came other spirits whose being also began before the world, of the same order as the Valar, but of less degree. These are the Maiar, the people of the Valar, and their servants and helpers. Their number is not known to the elves, and few have names in any of the tongues of the children of Iluvatar. Right, so countless Maiar, right? Many, many Maiar. I want to say like most of them, like not named, they're kind of nobodies, but, but yeah. they're Maiar, so they're not. Yeah, they're nobodies, yeah. Um, as the world was created, it became clear to uh, that Melkor was going to be an issue, right? He was constantly in conflict with the Valar. Every time they do something cool, he'd fuck it up, right? Every single time. Yeah, and even when the Valar went and created the two lamps at the beginning of the springtime of Arda... Melkor became super jealous, and he hated the lamps and all the labors of the Valar. Yeah. He gathered the spirits of the Maiar that were sympathetic to his cause, and uh, some were the ones corrupted during the annual delay, and some were new recruits. Yeah, and this is something we really wanted to make uh, clear about the Balrogs that is unique among the servants of Melkor. Uh, most evil creatures are basically slaves to evil. They know nothing else and they were bred for that purpose. Right, yeah. But Balrogs, fucking, they signed up for this shit. Voluntary recruits. These are fanatics, you guys. Like, these are Melkor heads to the the you know thousandth degree these guys are in it to win it yeah they chose this yeah if melkor is in a metal band the balrogs are the groupies like 
Because think about it, not even Sauron signed up to be a Balrog. Right. He easily could have just been like, eh, Balrog number 6,000. If he had decided to be a Balrog, do you think his uh, he'd still have retained his, like, his, his self, right? Because, like... His ability to, like, do fair form and stuff like that, you mean? I suppose. Like, do you think he still would have tried the deeds that he tried if he had gone the way of Balrog? Nah, I think he would just fuck shit up as a Balrog. No, yeah, like no you said, planning or plotting I don't still? Th- yeah. No, it I think Balrog like the, is a brute force move. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. It, like you said, they're kind of more of his groupies in that yeah. sense. Okay. I just pictured uh, Sauron as a Belrog. I feel like he'd be uh, quite the badass. He was certainly a shapeshifter, and he could shapeshift into many different things. Yeah, I oh, suppose he could just could become he, a Belrog could if he? he wanted to. Yeah, And Balrogs also, I think, could do some shapeshifting of their own, too. Oh, yeah. They, I think they could change their size and, and stuff like that. Yeah, Just grow or shrink at will. That would be great. Yeah, maybe that's how they get deep into the earth. They get real small, and then they get big when they get down there, you know? <laughs> uh, that sounds even more terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should probably learn a little bit more about them. Uh, from the Quinta, Silurin, Quinta Silmarillion, that's a hard word for me still, of the beginning of days, read by Danny. Therefore he gathered to himself spirits out of the halls of Ea that he had perverted into his service. And he deemed himself strong. And seeing now his time, he drew near again to Arda and looked down upon it. And the beauty of the earth in its spring filled him more with hate. How spiteful. Yeah. I love that Tolkien will use the words beauty and hate in the same sentence. Yeah. It, it really paints a dynamic. Like, mm-hmm. I just really enjoy. Hell yeah, dude. So it can be surmised that not all of the corrupted Maiar took the form of Balrogs. A good example of this would be Sauron himself. Yeah, didn't make the Balrog choice. Exactly, choice. It was a choice. 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 Some, some even suggest that Ungoliant may be one, but we we don't we don't think that's true. We don't personally subscribe to that theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it does say uh, in the Silmarillion that she is that Ungoliant is not counted among the Maiar, but it still persists in the lore to this day. So right, I it, thought it, I'd it, add w- it. it definitely makes sense, and I can definitely understand why people would think that. I originally did think that until we came across that explicit. Yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure it's in the regular ass Silmarillion. Like, I don't even think it's like hidden. <laughs> I feel like it would be weird for Ungoliant to also be considered a Balrog, considering she's uniquely the one that has the Unlight. You think that she'd share more characteristics, or other Balrogs would have shared characteristics with her? Well, you could argue that maybe Balrogs do Unlight as mm-hmm. well. We'll get, we'll kind of mm-hmm. get to that later as we get into the their description. Thank you, you, you for bringing that up. We could argue it, but is that ever suggested? It's never explicitly said that they use Unlight the way that she does now. Okay, okay. I guess that's just my point. Yeah, no, they've never explicitly said that. Also, it is said that Melkor had spies among the Valar that were his servants, but did not take the form of Balrog. So just another example of corrupted Maiar not necessarily taking the form of a Balrog. Yeah, double agents. Yeah, double agents, yeah. And yeah, they're not Balrogs. That'd be embarrassing, right? Like if you just like didn't notice that someone had become a Balrog all of a sudden, that'd be weird. It'd be kind of strange. You seem uh, to be putting off a little more heat these days. (laughs) (laughs) You're always whipping shit all the time. What is wrong with you? (laughs) Yeah, all this really to accentuate the voluntary nature of becoming a Balrog. Exactly. You sign up for it, boy. You're a fallen angel. So let's get into their description. Now, this is a little murkier than you'd think, the description of Balrogs. It's actually pretty friggin' vague when it uh, comes to Tolkien descriptions. And this leads leads to a few debates about uh, Balrogs. We're about to get into one particular famous one in a moment. 
So part of the just their basic description, it is agreed by most that Balrogs are larger than elves are men. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty clear. Pretty clear. There's we a couple times. There's a couple times when it's explicitly stated that they're like twice as tall or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, their exact size is really is debated still uh, among you know experts and fans. Uh, some say that it's about twice the height of a man. That's personally what I believe, and that's mm-hmm. I believe Tolkien Gateway said that as well. Um, some say even larger, right? And uh, some artist depictions even have him just slightly taller than Gandalf. Uh, Balrog slightly taller than Gandalf. So yeah, and personally, I think a lot of this has to do with how frequently Tolkien revised his own writings. Right. Yeah. And when you're when you're reading it, essentially, like if right. you're reading one of his earlier writings, I think they're smaller meant to be smaller meant to be at least you'd think yeah than they are in later writings either way i think they're almost always larger than a regular per- i always picture them as, almost like always. you said i always picture them about twice the height of a regular yeah man, i think like least. 12 13 feet tall something maybe, like maybe that. not quite as big as durin's bane in the in the movies where no that shit was, was huge like climbing on him like on fucking shadow of the <laughs> yeah. colossus like you're yeah. just yeah yeah no i feel like it's definitely I can see the possibility of them being the same size as men and elves, though. Just, sure. Just as, like, an additional race to the world of Tolkien. Yeah. But sure. I don't think they... Um, there, There's not enough other supporting uh, evidence to say that that makes more sense than that. Sure. So if they are the size of an elven man, there would be one thing that would obviously set them apart, and that is what would he call the hearts of fire that balrogs are said to have pretty distinct pretty distinct this gives them a perpetually burning inner fire but this fire can be extinguished and we'll touch on that in a little bit later yeah it goes out sometimes oh that's actually fun uh boulders gate 3 which is still pretty popular when we're recording this yes and it will be for a while i think <laughs> yeah great game but the one of the one of the characters you can uh get in your party named carlock is like uh from basically hell and she has a heart of fire is, is nice. a constantly burning engine, which makes her heat up like a Balrog would. That's really cool. Yeah. See? You have a Balrog friend. That's one of the reasons we got Trevor here. Look at that. That's a that's a popular fantasy reference that I wouldn't have gotten, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to make that reference. That's well, really cool. And, and who knows, like, that could have been easily inspired from R- way back right. from be. Balrogs. Like. Yeah. Could be. Right. Well, I mean, most, it's kind of hard to, uh, Tolkien's one of those things, like, it's kind of hard. Remember, like, how I said, like, every exorcism movie ripped off The Exorcist? Oh, yeah, yeah. As, as it's time goes like, on, <laughs> things are building from things on things yeah. on things, yeah. Like, everything kind of ripped off Lord of the Rings since Lord of the Rings, so. But it's fine. Yeah, that's cool. We all it's Tolkien all, was brilliant, obviously. His ideas yeah. carry on. If you're gonna rip somebody <laughs> off, rip off a fucking genius, you know what I mean? So more about Balrogs. <laughs> Balrogs, they use either swords or axes. Um only really one of them is known to use an axe, but it is explicitly said. And they always carry their notorious whips of flame. They're kinky. Yeah. Balrogs are also said to be cloaked by shadow and flame. Which leads to a frequent debate amongst nerds. Do Balrogs have wings? This drove me fucking nuts when I was writing this episode, you guys. I'd never really delved so far into this argument. And yeah, it's I feel strongly about this. I know put we, it this way. I know we've debated it a long time ago. I've been radicalized in my opinion. And now. and and yeah, now now that you now <laughs> yes. that you have all the information. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, most artist depictions show Balrogs with wings, and there are some people uh, that believe that is bullshit. Me. Danny. Mm. So let's get into the wings argument. And just to be clear, I am actually 
of the camp. Joel has a fun. Joel has a fun stance. He's like a third party here. Like so, third Danny's party of, voter. Danny's of the of the opinion that they do not have wings, and a lot of other people are of the opinion that they do have wings. But I am of the opinion that they. <laughs> Somewhere in between. They do have wings. It seems pretty clear to me anyways, the way I read it, that they have wings. But they're clearly not functional wings because... They, you cannot use them to fly like a penguin or an ostrich. Yeah, we never really get any explicit depictions of them f- actually flying around or doing anything like that. Okay. And there are multiple very clear instances of them falling or drowning. So Was that- it seems pretty clear that they're, they can't fly. And was that because of domestication or natural selection? <laughs> vestigial. Yeah, the vestigial, vestigial organs. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess maybe uh, you know, maybe they got, uh, he thought, maybe Melkor thought they were cuter when they stayed on the ground. So yeah. they stopped flying as much. And then like their chickens. Wing, and yeah. then their wings stopped becoming necessary. Yeah, dude. Is there any argument like to say? Chickens. <laughs> chickens, yeah. Is there, is there any argument to say that uh, Balrogs like dragons could have been either or? No, I've never heard that wingless or i mean maybe there's variations but but, but if we don't know for like if we're saying that it's argued whether or not they have the wings could Mm -hmm. it be that some do and some don't um well if that is the case it is never mentioned because i may or may not have for this entire episode scanned the entire legendarium for the word balrog and read every instance it comes up and it did not come up whether or not there's well, variations. Yeah. yeah. So I would very much put my money on that's not the case, but that's these what I found is in the episode, that's what I found for descriptions. So I think it's pretty definitive, but I mean if you all are out there listening and are yelling about something that I missed, please hit us up. Join the Discord. Yell at me. Thank so now you. now that we've made our opinions clear, let's get into the arguments for these. Yes. Things. Okay. Do Balrogs have wings? So let's get into the wings argument. So most people believe this to be the case, that they do have wings, based on the description of Balrog of the Balrog Durin's Bane and the Fellowship of the Ring, and this is kind of where I get mine too. It's based on the description that some say is hyperbolic and others say is literal. And then Danny just wanted to be very clear here. <laughs> what the de- so I wanted to define the word hyperbolic. So this is Merriam Webster telling us what it means. Of relating to or marked by language that exaggerates or overstates the truth of or related to or marked by hyperbole it is stretching the truth to make a point there are actually two uses of the word wings so just keep that keep this here joel what's our first one so the first use of the word wings his enemy halted again facing him and the shadow about it reached out like Two vast wings. The key word in this sentence is actually the word like, which in the English language usually denotes what is called a simile. And what is a simile, you may ask? A hyperbolic comparison of two things. And what is, uh, Trevor, what does Merriam-Webster say uh, the definition of a simile is? A simile is a figure of speech comparing two unlike things that often uh, is introduced by like or as. Uh, example as in cheek like roses yeah so that's the argument that's the two sides of the argument one is saying that this word wings is literal one is saying it's hyperbolic because it's a simile using the word like yeah it's a comparison essentially yeah so it is unclear here basically that if tolkien is referring to a real shadow um or is is referring to shadow that surrounds the balrog that looks like wings or literal 
friggin' wings, right? It's unclear. And the second time it's used uh, is suddenly it drew itself up to a great height and its wings were spread from wall to wall. Right. It does say there its wings were spread from wall to wall. I will not argue that. But this follows that previous sentence, does it not? It does. Yeah. Not directly, but it is later in the text. Yeah, like a few, like half a page later. As if to reference the hyperbole. The hyperbole it previously established. Yes. Thank you. Trevor's picking up what I'm putting (laughs) down. I think it's a fair argument. I think that's a fair argument to make. (laughs) So let's get into what do wings do, right? Wings fly. So here's the thing. Usually. 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 So let's get into the argument that they fucking fly, okay? <laughs> oh, I am definitely. I don't. Like I mentioned I, earlier, I, I don't am, think. I am not of the This camp is a that bridge Balrogs too far. For, yeah, this is a bridge too far for Joel. That and they I think fly. if anyone tries to make the argument that they can fly, I think there's just plenty of evidence that they can't. I agree. Like. I would agree. Okay. So uh, this is also, believe it or not, another case of not knowing whether something is hyperbolic. In Morgoth's ring, Balrogs are described to be flying possibly here's an excerpt swiftly they arose and they passed with winged speed over hithlam and they came to lamoth as a tempest of fire so i suppose tolkien could just be saying that they flew through the air or uh, he could be using winged speed to describe something very quickly or that is very fast yeah some shit that that was fast you know what i mean winged speed wow that's how fast winged speed is if you're wondering it's that fast in Appendix A, Durin's folk, they also refer to a Balrog flying. Thus they roused from sleep a thing of terror that, flying from Thangaradrim, had lain hidden at the foundations of the earth since the coming of the host of the west, a Balrog of Morgoth. So there we got Flying from Thangaradrim, right? Another description, potentially, of their speed. Yeah, to me that definitely sounds like speed comparisons. Right. So you had something uh, that you came up with during review the other day. What were, you, what were you saying again? Oh, well, I mean, if they did have wings, and like we were saying, maybe they were not used for flying. So, they, I mean, they could, I guess they could have used them to shield themselves from harm since they are on fire and probably very hard-skinned, um, or to, like, I don't know, push gusts of scorching hot air. So you were, being, you were being a little charitable to the wings argument there. Sure, maybe they're, they're <laughs> functional in, in ways that are not of flying. Sounds like you're trying to expand on, on my flightless yeah, bird's idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you are expanding. Yeah, that's what you're doing. You're, and and you're if they are yeah. cloaked in shadow, I mean, that also could be something. That, that could be what? You well, just brought well, it up the, earlier. The shadow could be the, the wings, if you will. Right. Mm. No, but I thought you were going to bring up, uh, is it a shadow of unlight? Oh, I suppose, yeah. Like that shroud could be... The shroud of unlight? I guess it could be unlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it, it was... did say yeah. like terror went before them or, or, or whatnot. And stuff like that. Yep. Stuff like that. And then yep. the darkness that spreads around them mm-hmm. like wings. Mm-hmm. And it actually, the darkness, the, you'll, uh, there's an excerpt later where there's fire and the Balrog comes in front of the fire and blocks out the light from the fire with its wings of darkness what a demon let's let's yeah. let's get there so let's get into the terrestrial argument uh my argument my argument is that tolkien is using hyperbole guys which we got into earlier we all know what that is now all references to flying our wings are hyperbolic or metaphorical just like we touched on earlier so essentially if balrogs have wings the argument is that other things that are hyperbolically described also have to be taken literally which I, I get that argument. It makes it kind of silly. Right. What is the famous example, of, of a famous example of this? Trev, why don't you read it? Well, think about it. what did Gandalf mean when he said, fly, you fools? 
Like, yeah. Literally right after describing wings, he says, in the text, he says, fly you fools. Like, he's... Yeah, he... Nobody's making the argument that Gandalf was telling them to take fucking Delta. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're not like, taking... A, they're not a, flying literally not, through yeah, the air. They're not flying sprout <laughs> out wings. of, of It's fucking metaphorical. It's hyperbolic. Come on. <laughs> right? Like, let's grow up. You know what I mean? Also, something that we brought up a little bit earlier... There's uh, famous cases where Balrogs fall uncontrollably to their deaths. Yes. And one of those instances is when Glorfindel slew a Balrog during the fall of Gondolin by taking it with him over a cliff. Yeah, and we got the excerpt from the Silmarillion of the t- of Tour in the Fall of Gondolin here, read by Trev, a little tiny one. Many are the songs that have been sung of the duel of Glorfindel with the Balrog upon a pinnacle of rock in that high place. And both fell to ruin in the abyss. The you you know what? They fell to death. Yeah, they fell to their ruin in the abyss. That's what it said. Yeah. You know what? One of the worst arguments against this I've ever heard. I didn't have this in the outline, but I meant to tell you this, guys. Some people argue that the wings are damaged in the battle, <laughs> so they're unable to fly. There's well, a, that's that's a stretch uh, if I've ever heard. Yeah, one. that's what I'm saying. But grasping I mean, at straws. That's right? really grasping at straws. Because I mean, even, even in the instance of Durin's bane with Gandalf, there there's no. We know for a fact that Gandalf doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything to wings. the wings to to Durin's bane, and it just fucking falls like a stone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 What the fuck? Yeah. Durin's bane falls right when the bridge has a doom breaks. Right. Falls right down into the abyss. Balrog does not fly its way out. No. Yeah. And it, honestly. I think it would be pretty fucking stupid of Gandalf to try to pull that bridge trick on a creature that is known to have the ability to fly. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. And Gandalf is not known for being fucking stupid. Yeah, if you're going to cut off something that can fly his path, you're not going to destroy a bridge. Right. That's That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Glorfindel also tackling one of them over the edge, also not known for being fucking stupid. He wouldn't just push something that can fly off the edge of a cliff. Right back. Well, he wouldn't dive into it off right, the cliff right. He wouldn't sacrifice himself just to push it off the edge if it could fly. Yeah, what the What fuck? is he going to do? Hang on and stab it while it's trying Both to fly? Both of these guys actually are so fucking smart that these are the only two guys known for being reincarnated. <laughs> <laughs> these are those guys. <laughs> these? And, they, and they knew that's how they had to take if a Balrog you, on. If it could fly, of course no. If you figure out the drop the Balrog hack, you get to fucking get an extra <laughs> life. <laughs> There you oh go. Oh my god. Up one if yeah. you figure that out. I'd I'd like to make one last additional addition to this argument. Yes, I used addition twice. Yes. Uh an additional addition. An additional addition, yes. That's that's a lot. Yeah, I know, right? Math. So in Tolkien's time, you know, when he was writing, what would be one of the best ways to describe speed? I mean, at least compared to modern times. I mean right. automobiles and planes were, you know, kind of just getting into their stride and like being figured out. But in the context of Middle Earth, you're not going to use some, something like that as a reference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And saying something that moving was at the speed of flying it seems like one of the best ways to describe speed in Middle Earth. Like you're not going to say they're like you brought this up fast as a speeding bullet to me, Danny. Right. I mean, what else goes? The catapults? Arrows? Right. Like, Air, uh, Swift is an arrow. Like, I'm sure they said that for a while until the gun was invented. Right. And then they were like, you know, as the musket ball flies or whatever. <laughs> you know, what so, the fuck? So then we, you got what else to think of? You got eagles in Middle Earth and they fly and they're probably one of the fastest creatures around, right? Yeah, yeah totally. They gotta be. 
I just love that example. Fly, you fools. Did Gandalf tell him? Just like, yeah, he, fly. like I want you to flap your fucking arms and fly the fuck out of Kansas Doom. No, that's I was what saying, I what is he going to do? do? I was saying, fly over here yeah. and, help and help me. me. You, you fucking idiots. You assholes. I, I cast the flying spell earlier. <laughs> right, Were yeah. none of you paying attention? <laughs> Levitate. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into some named balrogs there's only a few Ooh. of them so here we go so there were probably hundreds if not thousands of balrogs but only a few have names correct same with dragons yeah they're just Ooh. kind of implied in number same with trevor's moms yeah there's just an indeterminate amount of moms you have so many moms i feel like i'm a mom to trevor sometimes I'm okay names. all right <laughs> uh, our first name balrog <laughs> yeah let's get into the first named balrog Lingorthin. Did I say that right? I believe so. Or or Lungerthin. That sounds terrible. Lungerthin. <laughs> Dolph Lungerthin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the, the very least is known about this Balrog. I had actually never heard of this Balrog until you told me about it recently. Yeah. I didn't, until the research, I hadn't heard of this. Um, he's only mentioned in the Lay of the Children of Hurin, which is the longest of all the lays. It's a good one, though. People frequently, you know, quote chunks from it it's probably my favorite would you say yeah. tolkien really laid that one down yeah uh, i love getting laid you know what i mean yeah. oh god so many puns well in this lay he is named as a lord of the balrogs oh and uh, he bitch slaps Hearn in the face for his disrespect for melkor shit we've got a fun excerpt here about this from the lay of the children of Hurin, read by danny but Lingorthan, lord of Balrogs, on the mouth smote him, and Morgoth smiled. Nay, fear when thou feelest, when the flames lick thee, and the whistling whips thy white body, and wilting flesh wheel and torture. Damn, that's kind of metal. Yeah, pretty sick. So it gets a, it gets a cool line. I mean, and Hearn is kind of, in a way, in, in hell, being smoked by a demon. Yeah. Hey, man. 100%. <laughs> to each their own. Yeah, maybe he's into it, dude. He's really what if into that it. Was Tur- what if that I was, don't. what if Hurin was like a kinky pervert yeah. and that was oh like his like 100% fantasy? <laughs> Melkor yeah, comes in, torture me, daddy. Oh, oh d- I'm never going to tell you where Gondolin is, daddy. <laughs> yeah, don't tempt me with a good time. Yeah, don't, yeah exactly. Don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> All right. Yeah, in earlier versions uh, uh, of this lay, um, it is actually just an unknown thane of Morgoth that strikes Hurin on the mouth, not the Balrog we know of Slingorthan. Uh, okay. I was going to say, I feel like I would have remembered that if Hurin got smacked in the face at some point in the story. Yeah. It's just, and he does, I guess, it's just a thane that does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's get into the second one. This is the biggest baddie of them all. This is the one we know most about. We're not going to, we're going to... Get into him a little bit right here and then get into his deeds in the history section. Yes. And we're talking, of course, about Gothmog. Beep, 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 beep. Gothmog. That kind of sounds like it should be a metal band. Yeah. I, I think he's I the think most they're, uh, they're, documented of the Balrogs, right? Dude, I guarantee you there's a metal band a metal band called Gothmog. You want to look it up? Should we pause the recording and look it up? Because I'm, I'm almost certain. Should we do it? Okay, we're doing it, guys. <laughs> we're back and guess what there, it there. is 100% a fucking metal band named hell. Gothmog Yo. hell yeah there's one album from 2009 wow and it sounds yeah man it's got it's got the whole like death metal logo like the 
the font you can't really oh read. Oh my god, the yeah, you can dude. hardly read. Oh, yeah. so and stereotypical. Straight up, straight the up. names of the song, you know, Raging Spiritual Ecstasy, <laughs> uh, Death of a Warrior, Art of War, Eternal Hate. You get it. Yo, yeah. if any of you really? out here out, out here are listening to goth uh, to this and they like Gothmog, like you like hit us up. I want to know if people will be listening to Gothmog and if it's good. That's so cool. I yeah, I'm going to be looking at that more later. Yeah, we got to do a whole uh, episode about metal and Tolkien Trev me and you someday someday but yeah so gothmog gothmog is the leader of morgoth's balrogs during the first age second in command to morgoth and his mightiest servant yeah his name is derived from uh root words meaning dread force oh damn yeah and uh other quenya names in the etymologies and the lost road and other writings you want to read them trev yes these, these are cool uh we got kalimbo and kosamat and Cosmico. I'm, yeah. I'm glad he finally landed on Gothmog. I think I like that, yeah, I I like think that, I like better. that better than those three. Cosmico seems like my girlfriend's favorite uh, place to go. Costco. That's, Cosco. that's all I see when Cosmico. I... Cosmico. Yeah, Cosmico. Let's all go to Cosmico. Let's oh all go God. to Cosmico. Maybe that's the Mordor Costco. Yeah. Uh, in the character list in the Fall of Gondolin, uh, they name him as a son of Melko and an ogress named... Fluithuin. That is such a I've, weird word. I've also just never heard of Mel, even the old versions of Melko mating with anybody. Yeah, That's let weird. alone an ogress. An ogress. Are there in the modern legendarium? Are there ogres? This is the. I think this is the first time I've ever actually seen an ogre or an ogre. ogress. That was used. mine too. Oh wait, so. hold on. I'm just putting together that this is saying that Melkor fucked an ogre. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Straight up. It, it fucked an a, ogre a, named a Shrek Flu- chick. Yeah. Dude. Fluithuin. <laughs> and named it Fluithuin. Yeah. Named it Fluithuin. Yeah. He was strange. Yeah. yeah he would have uh, dug all the Shrek porn that's out there. I'm sure. Hey, we did something about that that one time. We did read some Shrek porn some, uh, some by on Shrek the Patreon. Hole. Yes. If you want to read. It was Legolas fucking Shrek, wasn't it? I don't remember that much. But yeah, if you want to hear us read that, go donate to the Patreon. It's on there. <laughs> That's the good content. That's why you got to pay shit. for it. That's the good shit you got to pay for. <laughs> the Tolkien gets sexy. No, mostly I just don't want to put that in the main feed for the most part. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's get into some notable deeds of Gothmog. So Gothmog mortally wounded Feanor, famously. Yep. Also famously captured Hurin at the Dagwar Bragulak. He killed uh, Fingon at the Battle of Unnumbered Tears and uh, led the assault on Gondolin. Yeah, and most uh, most famously and lastly known for his double KO with Ichthelion at the Fall of Gondolin. More on all that bullshit later, though, in the history section. So next, let's touch on the uh, next of the named Balrogs and probably the most famous of them, the most well-known. Durin's Bane. Yeah, Durin's Bane has no other name. Yeah, and it was named this by the dwarves after this Balrog murdered Durin the Sixth of Khazad Doom. That oh. was the the last Durin, wasn't it? Yep. I just <laughs> thought of when it says this has no name. I just thought of that song like a Balrog that has no name. You're like wind through the corridor. <laughs> oh my god, it's so stupid. That Neil Young. I have no idea. No, it's not Neil Young, but I have no idea. Some old, some boomer shit. 
Let's get into the, some weapons of the uh, Durin's Bane. What is he known for using? Of course, the uh, Balrog go-to, the Flaming Whip. Mm-hmm. This, uh, Durin's Bane also has a giant flaming sword. Of course. And I kind of like to imagine, personally, the Balrog's Flaming Whip is actually just, like, wraps back around their arm. Like, it's always with them. Yeah. Or it's, like, cool. attached to them, maybe, somehow. That'd be cool. It's just a, it's like a really long tendon that they just whip around. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be gross? It's a little gross. Yeah, I know, dude. It's a little body horror. Maybe. That's some body horror shit. Body horror. Maybe when it uh, heats up the flame, it extends and gets longer. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Balrog's really not a turn it on. Like a thermometer. Is there mercury in there? (laughs) Mercury in in the Balrog? Dude, that's why Balrogs are, they, they're full of mercury. They can't have them around anymore. They're poisonous. I mean, I guess yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Could. Crack that open. Well, what about Durin's Bane's notable deeds? Yeah, this is, uh, its most noble deed is that it didn't die. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's mo- <laughs> the most noble deed. It survived. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the only of, of a few Balrogs said to have survived the War of Wrath. It also fled to the Misty Mountains and went to sleep deep, deep down under the mountains and was awoken from his slumber in 1980 by the Longbeard Dwarves while they were mining for Mithril. Dang, he woke up in 1980. What a time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wild. Wild movies coming out of that time. <laughs> yeah, wild when, movies. When, Raging Bull came out that year. Oh, that was probably my favorite film from 1980. Way to go, Raging Bull. Okay, so how long would you say that uh, Dern's Bane had been asleep down there? Well, honestly, in years past, Trevor... I would have just guessed when you asked me something like that. But now, since we're professional podcasters, oh my God. <laughs> I actually looked this up beforehand and because uh, I knew you'd ask this question. And it is exactly 5,421 years that that fucker has been asleep. That, that's like hibernation, basically. Man, you had some good foresight to look that up. Yeah, I really, I definitely, yeah, I definitely looked it up before we started recording, that's for sure. Nice. To be fair, I mean, I I do like my dates and years and time durations. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So after waking up from his (laughs) 4,421-year nap. (laughs) 5,421. Thank you for the correction. (laughs) This is when Durin's Bane drove all of the dwarves out of Khazad-dûm and killed King Nane. This was in, again, this was in 1981. Yeah, a year later. He woke up and really fucked shit up for a year. Oh, King Nane? Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, I found his I found his grave in the Return to Moria game. Hell Whoa, yeah. Return to Moria game. That's uh, weird that you bring that up, Trev. Strange. Yeah. Have you been, like, playing that game? Or have something? you been playing it, like, a lot or something? I, I may have even beaten it already. Oh, shit. Really? Do you think that maybe we could Talk get some it? content about it? Oh, I don't know. I did stream it for people people a while back yeah 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 maybe i'll write an episode yeah our buddy mike from australia joined us for uh for watching you play for a day yeah right when i started before i got really the chance to do much of anything (laughs) yeah sorry mike it got better yeah it's cool mark you'll get to learn all all about it all about it maybe one day we're not promising anything but well the final major event with uh, durin's bane as we all can probably assume was his confrontation with gandalf in the year 3019 and his uh ultimate death at that yeah. time <clears throat> so did he like go back to sleep he kicked the dwarves out and went back to sleep no i think he lurked in there i don't think it went to sleep i think he just, just roamed around he just lurked around fucking uh, with the orcs or something at one point gandalf says he heard one of the orcs say the word gnash i think which means fire on the lower levels he's guessing he said that he thinks some of the lower levels were on fire so i'm assuming that it just hung out down in the levels that were on fire god that's he must have been real bored durns man yeah. like yeah 
But I guess he can make fire. Maybe use a pyro and just light shit on fire down there. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk more about his history. Or is it a he? Does the Balrog have a gender? On the internet, gender is listed as he. Interesting. I don't know if it's ever explicitly. Maybe we'll see one of our excerpts if it says he at all. I think it usually refers to it as it, though, honestly. Hmm. I think Gothmog is referred to as a he. Yeah, Gothmog, I think is. Yeah, I think he's definitely gendered. Yeah. But well, Dur- Durin's Bane could be a lady. Who knows? Could be. I suppose if the Maiar could have been, then the uh, Balrogs. Exactly. Would. Why are we so hung up on the thing's gender, though? You know, who cares? The world is, you know, who gives a shit? <laughs> Trevor, the look you're giving me right now. I mean, you're right. Uh, you're right. You're right, but you're just like, you're right. Whatever. I just, I just was curious. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, no, it, uh, we assume traditionally that it is male. Because my next question was going to be do yeah. Balrogs procreate or can they? Could they? Um, I wouldn't think so myself, but I don't know. Could it, could a Maiar? Could Gandalf have kids? I mean, Maiar have had yes. children with the children of Ilvatar. Melian does have a child. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. So, But she does take the form of an elf to do it. Mm-hmm. She takes so, the form of one of the children of Ilvatar in order, in order to, to multiply like them. With one. Okay, yeah. so they would potentially need to be able to sh- change their shape to a birth-bearing creature. Yeah, whatever or that, something that could, may yeah. be. Yeah, weird. This We get into the weirdest Tolkien area yeah. on this show. <laughs> so fucking weird. Oh, my God. This is going to be the history of the Balrogs. This is going to be the meat and potatoes of the episode here, guys. Let's get into the years of the trees, the good old days. So back in the good old days, Balrogs were among the spirits that joined Melkor in the discord of, on- of the uh, Anya Lindale. And early in the years of the trees, after the destruction of the lamps, Melkor returned to these halls of Ea to call down even more of the Maiar to his aid. And these would have been the same Maiar that followed him in discord during the Anya Lindale. They all dwelt with Melkor in the fortress of Utumno. Yeah, Utumno. Which is, uh, um, by the way, I recently learned there's another word for Utumno, which is Udun, which is what Gandalf refers to the Balrog. Oh, flame of Udun. Flame of Udun. Okay, I like that connection. Which they, and then they, because there's a valley in Mordor called Udun, but it's actually named after the fortress of Utumno. That's pretty cool. Learned that the other day. Blown. Boom. Well, we do have a nice little uh, quote here from the Quintus Silmarillion of the coming of the elves and the captivity of Melkor, read here by Joel. But in the north Melkor built his strength, and he slept not, but watched and labored, and the evil things that he had perverted walked abroad, and the dark and slumbering woods were haunted by monsters and shapes of dread. And in Utumno he gathered his demons about him, those spirits who first adhered to him in the days of his splendor, and became most like him in his corruption. Their hearts were of fire, but they were cloaked in darkness, and terror went before them. They had whips of flame. Balrogs, they were named in Middle-earth in later days. I just realized something. This is what you were talking about earlier, Joel, where uh, they're cloaked in darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and terror it, went before them. Terror went out before them, yeah. Yeah, sounds, that's uh, the unlight argument, Sounds right? similar to the, un, to the unlight, yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool. So the Balrogs fled from Utumno after Melkor's capture at the end of the uh, Battle of Powers, and the host, of Valor, uh, the, the host of the Valar took Melkor back to Valinor, and the Balrogs during this time posted up an Angban and just kind of awaited the return of their master. Balrogs to the rescue! Hell yeah. But we don't really hear much from the Balrogs for quite a while, actually. Um, yeah, they it, just kind of hang out. Yeah, in fact, we it's not until they are needed 
the most by Melkor that they actually come about. When Ungoliant uh, assailed Melkor in the region of Lammoth, he shouted, hella loud. Real loud. So loud that the Balrogs down underground in Angban heard that shit and they raced to the rescue. And mm-hmm. they fucked up Ungoliant with their fire whips. Yeah, she's no match for all of them. She may be enough to take down Melkor, but uh, yeah, and then they just make her fuck off into legend. Like she, ne- <laughs> we yeah. never, we never heard from her again. Yeah, Man, the Balrogs are are mighty. Yeah, they the are. Balrogs are crazy. We got a cool excerpt here from the Quintus Silmarillion of the Flight of the Noldor, read by Trevor. Far beneath the ruined halls of Angband, in vaults to which the Valar, in the haste of their assault, had not descended. Balrogs lurked there still, awaiting ever the return of their lord, and now swiftly they arose, and passing over Hithlam they came to Lammoth as a tempest of fire. With their whips of flame they smote asunder the webs of Ungoliant, and she quailed and turned to flight, belching black vapors to cover her. Asshole. I mean, but it's like 1v how many Balrogs? No, no, yeah, no. It's, (laughs) It's definitely an unfair battle. She would totally probably get fucked up with all those Balrogs around. I mean, evil fights evil, man. That's that's just evil. Yeah, exactly. You know what's evil? War. War is evil. Yeah. What, and, is, it, what uh, is it good for? War. Who? What <laughs> is it good for? Really? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, let's talk about some war, guys. Uh, Second Battle of Beleriand, right? Everyone remembers this one. It's a favorite, right? Right. 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 So this is when Balrogs appear again. This is the Dagor Nuen Giliath in Years of the Trees. 1497, the Battle Under Stars. Yeah, this is the battle when the Noldor returned to Beleriand and were immediately assailed by Melkor's forces before they could even set up camp. Yeah, but the Noldor at this point were still super juiced on their tree light and they kicked the shit out of those orcs. Yeah, they're super juicers. Yeah, they they, they kicked them so hard that Feanor chased them damn near back to Angban. Yeah, all the way to Dor Daedalof, right? Uh, but then, of course, you know, he was surrounded by Balrogs uh, coming from Angban mm-hmm. and killed. Yeah. Later. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, uh, Feanor gets caught up in the fiery whips of Gothmog and it is mortally wounded. And we've got an excerpt here from the Quintus Silmarillion of The Return of the Noldor, read by Danny. There, upon the confines of Dor Daedaloth, the land of Morgoth, Feanor was surrounded, with few friends about him. Long he fought on, and undismayed, though he was wrapped in fire and wounded with many wounds, but at last he was smitten to the ground by Gothmog, lord of Balrogs, whom Ichthelion after slew in Gondolin. There he would have perished, had not his sons in that moment come up with force to his aid, and the Balrogs left him and departed to Angband. So let's take a minute and talk about the time that the Balrogs yeah, actually m- capture Maedros. Remember the time? Remember the time, y'all? Yeah. After the death of Feanor, Morgoth tries to trick the eldest son of Maedros because he thinks he'll fall for that kind of shit. Your Melkor sent messengers admitting defeat and that they wanted to negotiate some terms of surrender and they even offered a Silmaril. Yeah, they're like, we'll give you one of them. Just don't worry. We'll, yeah, we'll if, give that's, you one. if that's not a trap, I don't know what is. Right. Yeah. And the sons of Fanor agree. Yeah. So they just sent a shitload of men. Yeah, they sent a, a bunch of dudes. Like, Maedros just goes stacked. 
And this is against the previously agreed upon terms. Right. Like, we'll show up, just, you know, two of us right here under the moonlight. Yeah, but, but neither, yeah. Of, neither of them really agree, uh, followed through with the agreement of those terms. They both brought forces. Yeah, Morgoth only cheated harder. And he included Balrogs in his cheating, so he he, he, he won, guys. Pretty hard. Yeah. Right? And thus they capture Maedros and cart him off as a prisoner to Angband. Yeah, and we got an excerpt uh, read by Joel here from the Quintus Silmarillion of the Return of the Noldor. But even in the hour of the death of Feanor, an embassy came to his sons from Morgoth, acknowledging defeat and offering terms, even to the surrender of a Silmaril. Then Maedros the Tall, the eldest son, persuaded his brothers to feign to treat with Morgoth and to meet his emissaries at the place appointed, but the Noldor had as little thought of faith as he had. Wherefore each embassy came with greater force than was agreed, but Morgoth sent the more, and there were Balrogs. Maedros was ambushed, and all of his company were slain, but he himself was taken alive by the command of Morgoth and brought to Angban. I just love how it says, and there were Balrogs. Yeah, I love how it says that. In the uh, audiobook, it's super uh, Martin Shaw. He does this, like, he's like, and there were Balrogs. Like, just sort of, like, just kind of trails off a little bit, like, dramatically. And there were Balrogs. And it's just fucking awesome, yeah, the way he does it. I can't even capture it, you guys. You gotta li- re- listen to that Silmarillion audiobook. It's it's just like that that one line lets you know, like, the key has been turned. Like, it's it's done from, mm-hmm. from Adros and company. Like. Yep, and there were Balrogs. So let's get into more war. War, war, Balrogs love war. Next time we see him in action is one of the most terrifying events of all the Legendarium. The Dagor Braglock. Yeah. The Battle of Sudden Flame. I love that name. Of all the names my battles, fave, that is one of the coolest names. Yeah, dude. It's my favorite. Plus, like, just the, the Tolkien. What, what is Dagor Bragalak? What, what, what language is that? That is uh, Sindarin. Sindarin? Okay. Yeah, yeah Sindarin names all, all the battles that are in Sindarin. They just sound so cool. Yeah. Dagor Ningiliath. All of the Dagors. Yeah, all the Dagors. So, the Battle of Sudden Flame, this was a crushing defeat for elves and men. And the Balrogs are back in action as well as Glaurung the Golden for the first time in a while. Uh, We've got a, a quick excerpt here from the Quintus Silmarillion of the Ruin of Beleriand and the Fall of Fingolfin, read by Trevor. In front of that fire came Glaurung the Golden, father of dragons, in his full might. And in his train were Balrogs, and behind them came the black armies of the orcs in multitudes such as the Noldor had never before seen or imagined. Well, a lot of orcs. But also, Balrogs in his train. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah that just all of it. All of it together. Terrifying. All of it, dude. Uh, here's a cool story. Um, after the battle, the northern part of Beleriand is completely fucking controlled by Melkor. Like, it's completely locked down by Melkor and his cronies. Uh, but Hithlam, Hithlam, our boys, uh, over there with the, the House of Hador and, uh, and Fingolfin's people over in Hithlam, apparently even the Balrogs could not capture Hithlam at this juncture, which is so friggin' badass, right? And it ex- it says this explicitly in uh, in the text here. Yeah, and we've got an excerpt from that text. That's this is again from the Silmarillion of the Ruin of Beleriand and the Fall of Fingolfin, read by Danny. Then Galdor the Tall took the lordship of his father Hador, 
And because of the strength and height of the shadowy mountains which withstood the torrents of fire, and by the valor of the elves and men of the north, which neither Orc nor Balrog could yet overcome, Hithlam remained unconquered, a threat upon the flank of Morgoth's attack. But Fingolfin was sundered from his kinsmen by a sea of foes. So, Fingolfin being sundered there, does that basically mean Hithlam didn't really have the, the leadership, or...? Uh, well, Hithlam is... Uh, Fingolfin is... Uh, the men of H- the Hador are right. kind of uh, in charge over there. Okay. Usually would be their allies, but now they're separated. Yeah. Uh, I see. Okay. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Let's uh let's get to when it gets even worse, guys. And the and it gets worse. <laughs> and it gets worse. And, and this is, of course, we're talking about the fifth battle of Beleriand, mm. the Nirnath Arnoidiad, the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. And if the last battle was bad, this one even fucking worse. Is even worse. Yeah, go from sudden flame to unnumbered tears. This this one involves treachery of the. Uh, we don't really talk about this because it doesn't have anything to do with Balrogs, but the the treachery of Ulfang too. Remember the treachery of men. Yeah, fucking mm-hmm. sucks. It just really sucks all around. Yeah, uh, gets killed by Glaurung. We are mm-hmm. we we uh, talk about that in the last episode, right? Yeah, there's a lot of death. Yeah, so lot much of death. death you can't even count. Unnumbered tears, in fact. Yeah, and this death is also brought about by our Balrogs. friends, the Balrogs. Oh yeah, yeah. presumably led by Gothmog. Yeah, of course. He's always leading them. Yeah, who, of course, you know, he, he plays a huge role in the crushing defeat uh, dealt to the elves and men. Yeah. And they would never fully recover from this, just b- fucking ever. They're totally helpless against Melkor, uh, Melkor from, like, here on out. Yeah, they're, yeah. Elves they're, and men are fucked. They're fucked, yeah. And, I mean, Balrogs with Glaurung? I mean, there's how do you get more fire than that? What are the free peoples to do? Yeah, the last wave of uh, the assault of Morgoth with the... Glaurung and the Balrogs is just, yeah, what are you going to do against yeah, that? No recover. So the Balrogs worked in conjunction with Glaurung in the last wave. That's just, that's insane. Does that mean Glaurung was late to the battle? Yeah. Yeah, they hit him for a while. They waited until the, he was, oh, he was the headliner, dude. He, they played the tactical uh, the tactical cards. Yeah, the Glaurung and the Glaurung and the Balrogs. We should start a band called Glaurung and the Balrogs. Oh my God. That'd be so <laughs> fucking funny. Super cool. Holy shit. Yeah, Glaurung and the Balrogs, they were the headliner for the show. And we actually have an excerpt here from the Quintus Silmarillion of the Fifth Battle, read by Joel. But even as the vanguard of Maedros came upon the orcs, Morgoth loosed his last strength, and Angband was emptied. There came wolves and wolf riders, and there came Balrogs and dragons, and Glaurung, father of dragons. Yeah, like, holy friggin' shit. Like, how do you... How do you Holy withstand? So, so I'll Holy just heck. I'll throw out that I had just said it was Balrogs and Glaurung, but but this also states and other dragons. Yeah. So like and a bunch of other dragons. And as well. yeah, a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. screwed. That's a, yeah. That's a bad day. Yeah. Balrogs led by Gothmog. I almost said Morgoth. I almost fucked it up, Joel. God damn it. Uh, Balrogs led by Gothmog made an assault upon Fingon and Turgon in the west part of the battle, and he swept the brothers apart and uh, and uh, you know split the allies up. And Fingon, this is where he is ultimately killed by Gothmog. Yeah, when his head is cloven with his mighty battle axe. Yeah, they call it the black axe 
Like I don't know why. It's, if it's just big and black, or maybe it's also shrouded in shadow, like he is. Yeah, maybe that'd be fucking cool if it, it had like you couldn't even see the edges of it. You know, I feel like I feel like if you picture it, it has to be like the axe. It's covered in that cloud of nothingness with like bits of like embers and shit coming out. Oh, shit. just like kind of lighting it up from the inside. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, dude. Well, for a fun excerpt here about this scene, we've got. Trevor reading a bit from the Quintessil Morillion of the Fifth Battle of Beleriand. Gothmog, Lord of Balrogs, High Captain of Agban, was come, and he drove a dark wedge between the elven hosts surrounding King Fingon and thrusting Turgon and Hurin aside towards the Fen of Sarek. Then he turned upon Fingon. That was a grim meeting. At last, Fingon stood alone with his guard dead about him, and he fought with Gothmog. Until another Balrog came behind and cast a thong of fire about him. Then Gothmog hewed him with his black axe, and a white flame sprang up from the helm of Fingon as it was cloven. Thus fell the High King of the Noldor, and they beat him into the dust with their maces and his banner, blue and silver, they trod into the mire of his blood. That's so friggin' brutal dude they just beat him into the dust with their maces they deleted him yeah they they deleted (laughs) him you're right that is a good way to put it what's another time uh balrogs have deleted a whole bunch of people oh this is a fun one this is probably yeah this is uh what the probably the one of the biggest calamities of the first stage and it's not one of the major battles even no it's not (laughs) we're talking about the fall of gondolin right so Balrog has played a huge role in this, one of the biggest calamities. And uh, after finally discovering the exact location of Gondolin, Melkor essentially went to take the city. And he made a major move in the year 510 of the First Age. Huge number of Balrogs led by Gothmog assaulted the city with a huge number of dragons, orcs, and other evil creatures. And uh, this could be said to be the Balrog's finest hour. This is huge. Yeah. Know? Large numbers of them fought, and actually some of them were killed. You might say huge numbers. A, ge- a, good, a good handful of them were killed, yeah. We've got an excerpt here, again from the Quintessil Marillion, of Two War and the Fall of Gondolin, read by Danny. At last, in the year when Eärendil was seven years old, Morgoth was ready, and he loosed upon Gondolin his Balrogs and his orcs and his wolves, and with them came dragons of the brood of Glaurung, and they were become now many and terrible. Needless to say, the fall of Gondolin was a massacre. Freaking massacre. I mean, all these creatures, yeah, how could it not be? Yeah. Although Tour and his family and some survivors made it out alive, most people were just fucking killed. Like, just absolutely destroyed, just yeah. raised. Most of them. But it was a hell of a fight, and at least a handful of Balrogs were killed by the defenders. Yeah, in the Book of Lost Tales Part 2, uh, Christopher quotes his father's fall of Gondolin, where it says... Quote, thus five fell before Tuor's great axe, Dramborleg, three before Ecthelion's sword, and two score were slain by the warriors of the king's house. So there were some bodies fallen. There were some there were some Balrogs going down here. So if these were the only ones that were killed, what a score is twenty, right? Is it? Is that what a and two score? So that would be forty. So forty five? Or no, forty uh, 48, 48 of these holy shit so at least 40 around 50 balrogs were <laughs> confirmed killed yeah two score is 40 damn yeah. how you kill 50 balrogs and still lose is nuts that yeah what a what a hard victory to swallow right or a hard uh defeat to swallow right yeah very much 
Yeah, once again, the assault is led by Gothmog. And in the earlier versions of the Legendarium Gothmog, he lead, there's a cool scene where he leads the assault on the gates. Yeah, and this is while he's commanding some iron dragons. Dragons! Yeah, see last week's episode 90, if you want to hear more about dragons. Yeah, and the, specifically them iron dragons, right? Specifically those iron dragons we're talking about. But uh, for now, we've got a quote from the Fall of Gondolin, read by Trevor. But now Gothmog, lord of Balrogs, captain of the hosts of Melko, took counsel and gathered all his things of iron that, that could coil themselves around and above all obstacles before them. Then he bade pile themselves before the northern gate, and behold, their great spires reached even to its threshold, and thrust at the towers and bastions about it. And by reason of exceeding heaviness of their bodies those gates fell, and great was the noise thereof. Yet the most of the walls around them stood firm. Yeah, so Gothmog and some metal dragons just crushing the gates of Gondolin. That's pretty dramatic. Yeah, they literally like that part of in like the I didn't even see the movie, but in the saw in the trailer in World War Z <laughs> when they all like pile up on the wall like that. <laughs> yeah, basically. You know, yeah. like that's what it's kinda like, and it just does that and then the wall just fucking collapse the gate just fucking collapses. Yeah. But like we mentioned earlier, even with their victory, the Balrog still suffered pretty heavy losses. And Ecthelion and Tuor especially, they kick the shit out of some Balrogs. For a good uh, excerpt about this, we'll pull another one from the Fall of Gondolin here, read by Danny. Of those demons of power, Ecthelion slew three. For the brightness of his sword cleft the iron of them and did hurt to their fire, and they writhed. Yet of the leap of that axe, Dramberleg, that was swung by the hand of Tuor, were they afraid still more of. For it sang like the rush of eagle's wings in the air and took death as it fell and five of them went down before it damn that's crazy five balrogs yeah that's fucking wild i mean that is a that is a badass person right there could you imagine like that like if they did the legolas and gimli like who kills more could you imagine it's just like it's like 20 minutes like like fucking six hours of fighting and it's like (sighs) one (laughs) yeah (laughs) shit (laughs) What a contest. That would be a very long contest. Who kills more Balrogs? Yeah. Good luck, buddy. Well, after Ecthelion slays three of the Balrogs, Gothmug decided to take him on one-on-one. Yeah, he does. Ecthelion and Gothmug fought before the Great Fountain, and it was a hell of a fight. Uh, but with his last act, Ecthelion is able to finally kill Gothmug. We have a excerpt from The Fall of Gondolin by Joel. But lo, Ecthelion, whose face was of the pallor of gray steel, and whose shield arm hung limp at his side, strode above him as he fell, and that gnome drove at the demon, yet did not give him his death, getting rather a wound to his sword arm, so that his weapon left his grasp. Then leapt Ecthelion, lord of the fountain, fairest of the Noldoli, full at Gothmog, even as he raised his whip, and his helm that had a spike upon it he drove into that evil breast. He twined his legs about his foeman's thighs, and the Balrog yelled and fell forward. But those two dropped into the basin of the king's fountain, which was very deep. There found that creature his bane, and Ecthelion sank, steel-laden, into the depths, and so perished the lord of the fountain after fiery battle in cool waters. So friggin' cool. The Fall of Gondolin is so friggin' dope. I love it. It was just Ecthelion. Ecthelion's pretty Ecthelion's cool. just the, the man. 
I love that he he leaps at the Balrog, like headbutts him with a spike, and just yeah. like grabs onto his leg. Yeah, like, yeah, you're going. It says earlier in the text that his uh, shield arm was uh, wounded. So this, so, so he has, his other so arm. He has no here. arms left. So that's yeah. What, yeah, that explains why he uses his legs. He's yeah. just like head and legs. That's all I got left, yeah. baby. Stab, trip. <laughs> yep, exactly. Next, let's talk a little bit about Glorfindel's some more heroic tussle with some. Uh, some Balrogs in the fall of Gondolin. Yeah, some heroic shit right here. Glorfindel's so friggin' cool. He was the leader of the House of the Golden Flower. Yeah, and he played a huge role in the battle. Yeah, his valor allowed refugees to escape down the way that prepare- that was prepared by Idril in secret. Along the way, a Balrog tries to sail them, but Glorfindel sacrifices himself to save everyone. What a guy. Yeah, we got an excerpt here from The Fall of Gondolin, which is so friggin' awesome. Read by Trevor. Then Glorfindel leapt forward upon him, and his golden armor gleamed strangely in the moon, and he hewed at the demon that it leapt again upon a great boulder and Glorfindel after. Now there was a deadly combat upon that high rock above the folk, and the ardor of Glorfindel drove that Balrog from point to point, and his mail fended him from its whip and claw. Now, had he beaten a heavy swinge upon its iron helm, now hewn off the creature's whip arm at the elbow. Then sprang the Balrog in the torment of his pain and fear full at Glorfindel, who stabbed like a dart of a snake. He found only a shoulder and was grappled, and they swayed to a fall upon the crag top. Then Glorfindel's left hand sought a dirk, and this he thrust up that it pierced the Balrog's belly nigh his own face, for that demon was twice his stature, and it shrieked, and fell backward from the rock, and falling, clutched Glorfindel's yellow locks beneath his cap, and those twain fell into the abyss. Could you imagine being pulled to your doom by your beautiful fucking L'Oreal <laughs> fucking locks of hair? That sucks. Well, by like a likely flaming hand. Yeah. Well, is, yeah. Maybe yeah. It wouldn't, so your hair, your head is on fire as well. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, 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 basically. And yeah. imagine if it was all for nothing, and that damn thing could fly. Yeah, exactly. It could have just flew away, just right? Flown away. Could have just fucking flew away instead of grabbing onto something. Nope. It grabbed onto something as it fell. That's evidence it couldn't fly. In there my opinion. Yeah. There, it, there you go. Further reached, evidence. Further re- evidence. It reached to save itself. Exactly. Yeah. If it, just, if it could fly, it would. It would have just been like wee. And I remember just, that guy on the internet. It didn't fuck up the wings. <laughs> like he did, never said Glorfindel fucked up his wings, and then he fell and couldn't fly. Yeah. But he stabbed him in the tummy. Yeah, stabbed him in the shoulder and the tummy. Yep. And cut his whip arm off. That's so fucking badass. All right, now let's move for off of the fall of Gondolin, as fun as it is, and let's move on to the War of Wrath. Right. So Arendil, he sailed the Valinor to get the Valor to get off their friggin' asses and help them with Melkor in the age, uh, first age, in the year, first age, 542. The host of the Valar would ultimately come to uh, the world of Middle-earth to save the free peoples, and they landed in the year 545 of the first age. And yeah. Only, well, only three years after. Yeah, it, like, took, it took them three years to prepare the host of the Valar. Yeah, that's yeah, imagine, a lot can happen in three years. Imagine Arendil, your magic, dude. Uh, Arendil finally makes it over and is like, hey, we are 
dying and we desperately need your help okay give us three years give us give us a few years it's like we're actually booked three years out you're just gonna have to wait let me we, check my schedule we got we got shit to do that'd be funny if they were like stoners they know how they are like they just always keep getting high rather than doing what they're supposed to do well, we're, like, supposed to we're do. gonna we're gonna amass our forces real quick <laughs> after this real quick you know what i mean man just another ball and then we'll do it but anyway, the result of this landing was a 42-year-long war that destroyed all of friggin' Beleriand. And nearly every Balrog is slain. Oh, wow. It yeah. said that just several of them, only several of them escaped the uh, destruction of Beleriand and fled. They escaped justice. The uh, exact number is not known, but after Lord of the Rings was published, uh, Tolkien wrote that there were between three and seven Balrogs. Just throughout Middle-earth at that time? Um, uh, he said just ever, but this was before oh. the the Silmarillion would have ever thought to being published. Gotcha. So he kind of like changed it at the last minute and then never really uh, retconned it before he died. So he intended for there to be few, but mm-hmm. re- realistically, we have to assume there were many. In the Lord of the Rings, he intended there to be few, but the Silmarillion, right. he intended there to be very many. Yeah, and so this gets into the inconsistencies of earlier writings versus later writings as we see here like in later writings there are much fewer of them only three to seven ever to exist and they definitely seem like they're meant to be bigger too yeah but at least it follows chronologically like it still makes sense it still makes sense timeline wise yeah Yeah. yep one of these surviving few we talked about a little bit earlier durin's bane durin's bane but you know we, we talked about it earlier we'll talk about it later too we'll just get back to it you know, we'll talk about them in a second here but we've got an excerpt real quick from the quintessil Morillion of the voyage of a.r rendil and the war of wrath read by danny the balrogs were destroyed save some few that fled and hid themselves in caverns inaccessible at the roots of the earth well, they just went and hid underground they didn't even like go to a faraway land and like live things out they're just hiding yeah, permanently just, hiding. Just hiding. Would they have been like down so deep where the the creatures like before time even existed? You think? I don't know. Maybe you, you guys know what I'm talking the about. Strange yeah, things the ones that, that gnaw at the at the and under the earth or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're around there. I wonder if maybe that's what the Balrog was actually like. That's what Durn's Bane was doing. He was actually just having a party with the uh, with the unnamed with those beast. Uh, the the earthworms from the Hobbit movies. <laughs> yeah, sure. Oh yeah, yeah. So Balrogs uh, for the second age uh, in the better in the first part of the third age they just disappear they mind their own business wherever the fuck they are um, yeah all the all the way through the second age nothing first part of the third age nothing but it wasn't until Durin's Bane awoke that we get more Balrog action yeah yeah essentially after the end of the first age Durin's Bane is the only Balrog action we get yep so the dwarves of Khazad-dûm as we know they were following a particularly deep deposit of Mithril when they awoke that sleeping Balrog in 1980 and the Balrog just wreaks havoc on the kingdom, and like we mentioned earlier, both Durin the Sixth is killed as well as King Nain. Yeah, and after this, the dwarves are completely forced to abandon their home, which seems to happen frequently to them. Yeah, unfortunately, especially the Longbeards, it would seem. Mm-hmm. And eventually, after their exit, the orcs begin to re-enter Khazad-dûm, and they coexist with the Balrog, although it's very clear that they are quite afraid of it, and uh, they just kind of leave it alone to do its own thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they don't fuck with it. They, they cohabitate, but they don't get in each other's way. Yeah. The Fellowship of the Ring uh, encounter the same Balrog in January of uh, Third Age 3019. So, yeah, Balrog forces uh, the dwarves out, takes another nap, or chills, 
well, I say chills, but you get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> hey, yeah you can't really chill, you know what I mean? Yeah. Heart, heart yeah. Flame, you know? yeah. and, and there's some evidence from it yeah. uh, about it from the Fellowship of the Ring, the Bridge of Cause of Doom, in an excerpt read by Joel. It came to the edge of the fire, and the light faded as if a cloud had bent over it. Then, with a rush, it leapt across the fissure. The flames roared up to greet it and wreathed about it, and a black smoke swirled in the air. Its streaming mane kindled and blazed behind it. In its right hand was a blade like a stabbing tongue of fire. In its left it held a whip of many thongs. Ay, ay, wailed Legolas. A Balrog! A Balrog is come! Gimli stared with wide eyes. Durin's bane, he cried. Letting his axe fall, he covered his face. Dude, for something to make Gimli drop his axe? Yeah. Like, you know that's that's horror. Like, that... Well, and yeah. Because, like, they had heard of Durin's Bane. Like, they knew something in there had killed all those dwarves. But they didn't know it was a goddamn Balrog until just now, right? Oh, so that was a, that was a gross realization for him. Yeah. Because, yeah, in the, I think, uh, did I did I leave this excerpt in here? Yeah, no, I, I cut it out. But Gandalf says, he says, oh, I, I get it. He says, I understand. When he, he goes, oh, a Balrog, I understand. Like now, putting all the dots together, Durin's Bane was a Balrog. They must have woke it up. You know, not cool shit. All the pieces fit into place. Yeah. Well, speaking of Gandalf, he fights Durin's Bane. We know that. Sure does. Makes a makes in fact Gandalf the Grey's last stand is against the Belrog on the bridge of Khazad-dûm. Mhm. Yeah, Gandalf breaks the bridge and the two of them fall into the abyss. And we've got a uh, excerpt here from the Fellowship of the Ring Bridge of Khazad-dûm, one of the greatest chapters ever friggin' written. Trev's going to read it for us. From the shadow a red sword leaped flaming. Glamdring glittered in answer. There was a ringing clash and a stab of white fire. The Balrog fell back, and its sword flew up in molten fragments. The wizard swayed on the bridge, stepped back a pace, and then stood still. You cannot pass, he said. With a bound, the Balrog leaped full upon the bridge. Its whip whirled and hissed. Yep, and then they down into the abyss, right? Yeah, and then he used his wings to save himself. And he yeah, flew and away. Flew, uh-huh. away. flew all the way back to Utumno or whatever the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Udun. Yeah. Udun. Um, uh, but it doesn't end there, right? This, uh, that's the surface. That's, this is like the iceberg here of this fight. That's mm-hmm. the tip of the iceberg. We see Gandalf facing off against the Balrog up on the bridge of Khazadum. Tip of the iceberg. The real fight is after the fall right it's it's nuts to me like i first saw the movie make like my first exposure right mm-hmm. when they're they have that whole battle like it doesn't i think do it the enough f- the justice. flashback yeah. yeah it doesn't like because that it's a long fight yeah right it's badass it's like to the bone it's it's i mean they both die mm-hmm. yeah they both die it's it's like days long right it's it's crazy you won't be on a bell rug you die yeah mm-hmm. like may, maybe it also dies but it's but yeah. you're not in good shape afterwards. <laughs> no no yeah, they do flash back to that battle twice. They mm-hmm. do the beginning of Two Towers. Right. And then uh, when they meet Gandalf again, he kind of retells the last part of the battle. Yep. So they they, they extend it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was really badass, those scenes. But yeah, it's still nowhere close to how long this battle actually was. Mm-hmm. So both Gandalf and the Balrog survive the fall 
and the Balrog's flames are quenched when they fall into some deep water under the mountains, and it becomes sort of like this slimy, gross, snake eel thing. And uh, its flame eventually does regenerate when they get out of the water later, but it's it's just kind of gross. Yeah, apparently they were actually going to do this scene in the movie, the slimy Balrog uh, after the water scene. That would be so cool. Which is why it cuts right when they hit the water. They were going to have a whole sequence after that, but they like ran out of time or money. I can't oh, remember. Oh, shit. That, <laughs> it was very dramatic, the way that they just cut yeah, it as they I, hit the water. I, I wish we could have saw slimy extinguished balrog that'd be cool and then it re bursts into flames at the tower of durin i i wonder do you think uh because i mean this douses the balrog when it falls into the water mm-hmm. and uh like on last episode we talked about uh the dragons um creating steam from the water right so like yeah. could a balrog also do that oh i bet that I shit know. created a bunch of steam when he fell in the water I, I i mean definitely i'm sure like when they got out of the water and you would like i'm just picturing you just see like the steam like the, it's slimy and then it starts steaming and then just reignites like that yeah would, dude that'd Whoosh. be so cool that'd be sick to see yeah they should have done that gandalf is then pursue uh, he then pursues the monster through the deep tunnels beneath Kazadum to the endless stair and then they fight all the way up to Durin's tower at the peak of Xerix Eagle. Yeah. And that's where they they that's where the end of the battle took place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gandalf defeats the Balrog, casts its carcass down to the mountainside, uh, before succumbing himself to his own wounds. And uh, we have an excerpt from the two towers, the White Rider, read by Danny. Out he sprang, even as I came behind, he burst into new flame. There was none to see, or perhaps in after ages, songs would still be sung of the Battle of the Peak. Suddenly Gandalf laughed. But what would they say in song? Those that looked up from afar thought that the mountain was crowned with storm. Thunder they heard, and lightning they said, smote upon Celebdil, and leapt back, broken into tongues of fire. Is not that enough? A great smoke rose about us, vapor and steam. Ice fell like rain. I threw down my enemy, and he fell from that high place and broke the mountainside where he smote it in his ruin. How strong would Gandalf need to be to hold up a weapon to a Balrog and not just be pushed? Like Right. That that is yeah. He that, shatters its sword. That doesn't happen in the movie, does it? No. The sword doesn't shatter? The, oh, why didn't they do that? That would have been awesome. <sighs> Yeah, that would have been really cool because isn't it shattered into like molten shards? Yeah, molten, molten shards. fragments. Yeah, molten fragments. That yeah, that would have been shit. dramatic as fuck. Then it's just Gandalf contending with the whip, dude. <laughs> Although, I mean, the movie did do pretty badass when he like puts his sword up and it gets struck by lightning, yeah, and then he like cool. stabs him with the lightning sword. It like, is that pretty was, cute. That was pretty <laughs> yeah, cool. it is. It is. So that's uh. Durin's Bane is uh, Gandalf's battle with Durin's Bane is the last bit of Balrog action we ever get in the Legendarium. But we're hoping for more here at KOT. Maybe more, maybe a little more. We know it is stated. Yeah, there are other Balrogs. Yeah, there's at least there's three to seven of them, or I suppose yeah, three to six, three to six of them. (laughs) Um, Instead of thirty-seven, two to six. Yeah, two to six of them. Uh, and yeah, they're hiding, waiting for the return of Melkor. So maybe these Balrogs will come back for that. Dagor, Dagorath, the last battle. Yeah, I mean, I feel like all, all any and all of the uh, Dark Servants that are still alive will probably come Harken back. to the call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With Melkor, the their final only master. Yeah. But ultimately, who knows, guys? It's up to speculation. Tolkien mystery. Tolkien mystery. 
Um, but uh, that's all we have for content-wise. Some final thoughts, though. Balrogs are badass. Yeah, they are easily one of the most powerful servants of Melkor. Yeah. I'd even argue I kind of like Balrogs better than dragons. I do, too. After having written... I mean, I loved Joel's episode about dragons, and I learned a shitload about the dragons, but after having done all this Balrog research, I'm kind of like... Partial to Balrogs. Partial to Balrogs. What yeah. if I told you I was partial to orcs over both Balrogs Because you've written Drake. the orcs episode? <laughs> no, no, that'd be kind of silly. Yeah, that'd be I'm silly. Just, I'm just being silly. Be I, I, to personally, I think I if I had to choose one or the other i'd probably still go with dragons i think dragons yeah. are pretty fucking cool. yeah i mean classic choice you know what dragons I mean? have like the intelligent evil that's true and balrogs are kind of the ruthless evil but they also have the sorcery to them and the, mm-hmm. like the movie downplays the sorcery a lot balrogs have much more sorcery yeah yeah oh yeah i'm sure they could throw fireballs or whatever the fuck they, I mean, want. Yeah, they want they're yeah. straight up demons like. oh yeah dude they're straight up freaking demons well because they were myar right they they have the powers of the Ainur, yeah. And the lots of, like, a very strong Fea, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of energy to expend. Mm-hmm. But they, yeah, they had a huge role to play in the events of the First Age. Yeah. And it was interesting the amount of debate and speculation that surrounds Balrogs, largely the wings and just their general size and, and, and appearance. No- number as well. Number right? of them, yeah. Um, and we also really thought it was interesting how they're one of the only one of Melkor's servants that are actually signing up to do this. Volunteers. Right. The only ones to actually voluntarily do it. They weren't manipulated or twisted or bred for this. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, we'll do it. We're like, sounds good, buddy. Yeah. We'll, we'll follow uh, Glaurung in the battle. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want us to ride your dragon thing in the battle? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Shit, I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> they're just yes men, dude. Your your word, your command. Yeah. Is, I'll do it, man. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, that's all we've got for you today for episode 91. Don't forget to tune in next week for episode 92, the final installment in our Evil Creatures trilogy, where we will be talking about the race of orcs. Orcs. Orc, 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 orc. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. They where don't they make get. that I don't sound. Know where they came from. I don't think they make that orcs. sound. Orcs. No, arguably one of the. Also, well, I don't know, man. I mean, they're pretty evil, and I want to argue they're one of the evilest creatures to exist, but it's it's kind of hard to debate that. Yeah, oh, well, we're, we're, all, worry. we're covering this evil so much. You know what I mean? It's just evil all over the fucking place. We'll break it down for you next week, so stay yeah. tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, thanks for listening to KOT Podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Uh, stay up to date uh, on new episodes. That'd be cool. And also rate us or give us a nice review on whatever platform you're using. That'd be nice. Thank you. A big thank you to our patrons. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe on Patreon for some exclusive content. Our patrons, their support is so important to us. Um, You can go check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash KOT podcast. We also do private one-time donations if that's more your speed. We have PayPal and other services. So just contact us on your preferred social media and we'll make it happen. We appreciate you. Speaking of our social medias, definitely get in touch with us on our Discord channel. We'll have a link in the description. We uh, also post some stuff to TikTok at keep underscore on underscore Tolkien underscore podcast. Uh, we are on X, formerly Twitter, at KOT Podcast. We have a Facebook page at official Keep On Tolkien. We also have an Instagram, believe it or not, at Keep On Tolkien Podcast. And lastly, we also have a merch store with some pretty cool stuff on there. Uh, we use T-Mill, so that would be keep-on-tolkien-podcast.tmill.com. 
Damn, you nailed that, Trevor. Way to go. You Every be, time. You should be a salesman or something. You should, you're the next Billy Mays. You, you know that? The people, <laughs> you should be the people who talk in drug commercials at the end when they talk really fast. And yeah. They cause death. This can cause death, urination of piss, and yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's like, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, anyway, y'all, I'm Danny J. And I'm Joel N. I am Trevor D. We are... Keep on talking. Howray and Huluba. Howray and Huluba. Howray and Huluba, y'all.